Hello London, hello Britain, hello the UK. This is a special announcement for you because it is the guest lineup for our Live Cracked podcast coming up very soon in London, our first ever UK show. We have two phenomenal guests for it. One of them is comedian and writer Lou Sanders. You may know her from 8 Out of 10 Cats or the Edinburgh Fringe or more comedy things. We are also joined by comedian, author, podcaster, and so much more, Robin Ince. Yes, you may know him from the Cosmic Shambles Podcast Network, or his book entitled I Am a Joke and So Are You, or The Infinite Monkey Cage, which he co-hosts with Professor Brian Cox. Infinite Monkey Cage, such a great show. I can't believe I get to talk to these folks. Lou Sanders, Robin Ince, I can believe you get to see them on one show because there's a ticket link and everything. London Podcast Festival, Sunday, 8th September. The Cracked Podcast is live. Tickets are on sale now. It's linked in the food notes. Or you can go to bit.ly slash crackedlondon if you are a self-starter and like typing stuff in. Hey, you. Thank you for listening to this show. We really appreciate it. And we really want to set you up with your own website. We think that'd be a nice thing. And the nice way to do it is Squarespace. They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling products and services of any kind or any other thing you'd like to do with a shingle online. And if you get stuck on any of the steps of making it happen, don't worry. Squarespace has 24-7 customer support to help you out. So head to squarespace.com slash cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam. I'm also known as Schmitty the Champ. And I am also, also pretty sure there is a whole sci-fi movie in a recent study of Conan O'Brien. Because here is a quick clip of Conan O'Brien saying comedic things. Here you go. I can't believe we're letting America see logo in order to make it more modern. Yeah, appropriate noise for that. Thank you. And the neat thing about that clip is if you go in the food notes of this episode, you will find an article from Science. Uh, it's just a journal called Science. It's one of the top ones. And they talk about a Berkeley and MIT team that has done an experiment where they used 144 hours of video of lots of different people speaking, including numerous late night hosts, including Conan O'Brien. And what they did is they fed the video of the speaking into a computer and it used all that data and it put it all together. Then... The computer took on the task of just hearing audio from that speaker that it has watched speak so much, and the computer attempted to generate what the visual probably was and, like, guess the gestures and the facial looks and all the different things that the person was doing. And so we have a video you can watch where the computer guesses Conan O'Brien's movements. It's really, really neat to me that science can do that, uh, especially with somebody where there's so much tape of them. He's an incredible comedian. He's been doing it for many years. And the computer used that to guess at what he does. And that amazing real science story gets us into this week's topic. It is real science that should be a sci-fi movie. <laughs> 
One more time, that is real science that should be a sci-fi movie. I think the movie off of that Conan data story would be a, a dark one where Conan or the other people they studied, Ellen DeGeneres, John Oliver, John Stewart, and Seth Meyers, any of them have to deal with a digital recreation of themselves based on their own tape, right? That would be a pretty, a pretty terrifying entertainment industry sort of movie, I think. Sort of like that movie, The Late Shift, about Letterman and Leno fighting, but it's them versus themselves. I think it'd be great. And here's the thing. If you want an even stronger movie idea, an even greater movie idea, that's this entire show. We've got amazing real stories about science that you probably don't know. And then from there, fun movie ideas to build off of them. It's going to be a whole world of entertainment for you. And that is being brought to you by two fantastic guests, both returning to the show. Caitlin Gill is a, just an amazing stand-up comedian who also has a new album out. Her album, Major, is the title, and it's available everywhere. Her debut album, recorded at the San Francisco Punchline. She also has tour dates coming up. She's just great. And Candace Martellaro is an amazing writer and comedian and performer. Her sketch comedy team, Thumbbot PhD, uh, performs in L.A. frequently. You've also seen her writing on Stand Against Evil and many other great TV shows. They're both great and have a lot of different... Uh, stories that they want to bring to the table here that we can turn into just really, really fun sci-fi movies. I also love that a lot of these ideas are things I don't think you would traditionally get from a standard big budget Hollywood sci-fi movie. It's a little bit uh, of a new angle on that kind of story. And that's all the setup you need. So please sit back or sit with your computer and continue to input my own voice to build a robot who's going to destroy me. Except it won't. I will fight it. That's the movie. Either way, enjoy this episode of The Cracked Podcast with Caitlin Gill and Candace Martellaro. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Caitlin, Candace, I am so excited about uh, all the science and ideas we've got. This is, like, this is like two shows for for the not price of one because it's free, but uh, I think I think people are going to love it. It's great. I'm very excited. <laughs> Nobody, uh, I'm I'm writing all of these scripts. I'm calling copyright now. I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, this is a blanket. We own everything. Yeah. Uh, also up top. Uh, just kidding. Please write these scripts and send them in. <laughs> I wish you all the success. Just remember me fondly. <laughs> Multi-talented entertainer. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't want to write any of these That's scripts, fair. Okay. <laughs> someone yeah. else is welcome to do it. I'm not limiting any options in my job market currently. Smart. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's a broad thing I think I noticed. Like, and not just entertainment people. People in life will come across them and they'll say, that should be a movie. And no one executes this because it's a lot of work. It oh, is. Boy. It's so much work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 90 pages. No, thanks. I'm out. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so many notes and revisions. I've written yeah. them and I'm still like, ugh, this is so much work. I don't know about. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's also I'll be like, I can't wait for somebody to give me notes on this. And then as soon as notes come, a little of me is like, ah, boy, uh, you had to do that. Oh, I know. man. Jeez. <laughs> Everybody hopes when they send a script to a friend uh, for notes that there are none. This is right. perfect is the note you want back. And it's never, that will never, you will, <laughs> it will be done and made. It will be, you know, right. on TV and then Netflix already for consumption. And you'll still be looking at that draft like, doll, doll. <laughs> I could have changed this. This one little thing could have been better. Oh, yeah. It never, it never stops. Why, why didn't they understand I wanted one compliment in a card with flowers? Yes, that's all I that's wanted. All I wanted. <laughs> the rest yeah. of this stinks. I wanted the email to reach out of the computer and pat me on the back. Why is this? 
unclear. Why don't emojis make my contact yet? Yet when I get that, I get really angry. I know. Like, you're lying. You're lying. To you're me. just being lazy. To my face. Yeah. You didn't yeah. even read it. Yes. <laughs> if you liked it, you didn't read it. Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe this is a good story to start with. It's just sort of a template for this is real science and then it could be a movie. I wanted to pick out one, which is that there is an island of angry apes that were used in medical experiments. Uh, this is from a cracked article, six real news stories that are straight out of science fiction by E. Reed Ross, Christian Markle, and T. Nagin Rui. And uh, this is a real thing where there's an island off the shore of Liberia where there are a bunch of monkeys that have just been dumped after they were used in uh, medical experiments, specifically to work on a hepatitis B vaccine and to make blood transfusion safer. Uh, so there's just a bunch of a bunch of apes with a grievance against us with their own island. And that's I mean, that's just there's there's Planet of the Apes right there. It's yeah. happening. Island uh, of the it. Apes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the inciting incident. There we go. Is it's, James it Franco in this in- remake or <laughs> or not? It feels like a movie that's happening. This one's so such a crossover between real life and movie yeah. that I feel like somewhere some guy read this article and like picked up a script of his own and was just like, no. nobody's gonna make this story if it's real that's crazy (laughs) that's crazy it's not a documentary yeah and also there's a there's one element uh, liberia is in west africa and it's near the a community called marshall and uh, people from that town have been going out to the island to bring the monkeys food I'm also interchangeably calling them monkeys and apes. I apologize. Uh, But the apes, monkeys, they're being brought food by kind people in the town. So I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of upside to the story in the end. You know, maybe it works out. Who knows? The monkey apes know exactly which humans it was. Yeah. They they probably have some degree of recognition. Monkeys are incredibly smart. Oh, yeah. They're us. I, I was hanging out with a girlfriend the other night and I was telling her about this article, actually. And this other girl chimes in and goes, oh, I love monkeys. And my friend snapped back and goes, yeah, because you've never been robbed by a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I went into the story. She was traveling, I, I think, through Africa. I don't remember what region. Yeah. And um, she had this bag full of, like, gifts to go back. They were doing, like, a <laughs> safari thing. And they got approached by some monkeys. And she did everything you were supposed to do. Like, she didn't make eye contact. She covered her teeth. And pulled the bag out of her hand, opened all the packages, <laughs> looking for food. But then she's still, you know, staying very still. And it came up and pulled her pocket open with its finger. And then luckily, like this, she said, an old man with a staff came out and scared it off. But still, like, <laughs> how terrifying would that be? It's because it's what like a- three feet tall. So you kind of just want to swat at it. But also it can eat your face off, like oh. right off, like yeah. no time. Like brutal. Gone. Yeah, they're, they're tough. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, take what's in my pockets, I guess. That's yeah. such a funny <laughs> image of this tiny, vicious little burglar yes. that you can't right. fight. It's adorable and it could just maul you. It doesn't, like, no holds barred. <laughs> yeah. All what a great villain. Souvenirs were. Gone yeah. by a monkey. What a great souvenir. Like, that is a better gift to get. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I had a gift for you. Instead, I have a monkey story. And I'm like, that's the greatest gift of all, This friends. is the greatest yeah. gift Thank of you. all time. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's a story here from Gizmodo, which is that Alabamans are battling car-sized yellow jacket nests this year. And uh, Candace, you picked this out as, uh, oh, there's a whole uh, whole adventure there that we could I do. did. Oh, what a horrifying adventure um, it must be. I picked this because it's sincerely my worst nightmare. Yeah, not bees. Yeah. Bees are right. cool. Yeah, yellow jackets are just <laughs> dicks. No, their purpose is literally to build mud homes and then sting you multiple times and make your life awful. They don't even pollinate. Am I no. wrong? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're no. just for Fuck. violence. Yeah, yeah. they, they just them. exist to build little just. mud homes, and that's it. Yeah, um, sort of, sort of like a termite just exists to eat wood. I like mean, a yellow jacket just termites exists to we need hate for the you. forest to exist. Like we need bugs uh, that eat wood, but yellow jackets. I'm not sure we need you guys. I'm looking <laughs> at you because there's the story of the enormous car-sized clogs of like mud yellow jacket holes. Right? Is that yes, what's happening the, in Alabama? These nests in Alabama. Yes. It's if it contains at least fifteen thousand yellow jackets in one nest. And Hard so pass. It, they say it's the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. I don't know if you guys have ever had yellow jackets or like a nest of them. Yes, but like no. the effort it takes to get an exterminator to come knock down the nest it's a whole thing and that's like a nest the size of like your fist yes like it's not a huge deal you would think oh wow and it's an ordeal to get rid of it i can't imagine and there's a picture that i assume we'll put in the footnotes oh for sure um of the size it's like half of this person's house of this <sighs> this nest <gasps> it's just like that is literally my worst nightmare who <laughs> it yeah. is just awful it's like their house has a, a medical growth or something on it. It looks yes. crazy. Yeah, and yeah. It, is, it is malignant. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not a cool benign skin tag that your house has. It's not. It yeah. is a malignant growth. No, and it's just, you know, when you go home, you're going to be hurting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's oh. awful. Literally my worst nightmare. And yeah, these bugs are responsible for almost all U.S. sting deaths, unlike bees and many other ones. And their entomologists documented at least 90 super nests in the country in 2006, and they expect there are more now. No. uh, Mainly because of climate change. Yes. uh, uh, Allowing them to grow. And this show, it could almost be just a pests and interesting animals show. Uh, There's an article here from The Atlantic that Caitlin, you picked out, which is about rat genetics in New York City. Oh, yeah. Because it turns out that there are genetically distinct uptown ones and downtown ones. (laughs) I'm not at all surprised by that. And I think it's incredible. I mean, hats off to the rat for all the problems that they've caused. They're such durable, intrepid Little critters. When you say problems, do you mean like the the Black Death? Yes, I'm specifically referring to the horrible plague of illness that they spread with their filth and their terrible waste. Yes, yes, that is what I'm referring to, definitely. But that is also kind of our fault. Like that was how we interacted with the rats and the amount of filth that we surrounded ourselves with and the conditions in which we lived at the time made it pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We were not showering all the time exactly. Yeah, we were, we were definitely walking ankles deep in our own shit. I am not surprised that there are two distinct kind of rats in New York. Uh, and I want to see the West Side Story rat version. Like I want a, a rivalry yeah. musical between or like a warriors situation <laughs> where like oh, that rats would, that would battle yeah. for territory and supremacy. Yeah. yeah. Two very distinctly different movies. I know, but yeah. I, you know, this sort of New York, ba- like the <laughs> yeah. iconic New York movies. Maybe there's a Mean Streets with rats. I don't know. That's true. New York movies, it's a lot of gangster stuff, but it's even more like stylized fighting between yes. groups. Yeah, like, yeah. Gangs they're either of New singing York, but rats. Or yeah. heavily themed. Yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> I just like the ideas of the rats coming out snapping. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they I'm, could. Yeah. Rats can laugh. That's a step away from snaps. Rats can rats laugh. Rats laugh when you tickle them, they laugh. Oh, my God, you just blew my mind. You can hear it. That's on the Radio Lab episode about laughter. 
You oh. can hear a scientist tickling a rat and the rat's laughter in response. I am learning so many things today. They also talk yeah. about monkeys and chimps who both laugh. And it's a, like, I'm not mad at you, please don't be mad at me type thing, or I'm not being threatening to you. That's like a... That's oh. a big joke. In the, <laughs> I'm not here to kill you. <laughs> Seems to be the earliest joke. <laughs> hey, don't be mad at me. That'd be my signature. I'm not. I was just kidding, man. Yeah. I bumped into you. I wasn't hitting you. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. All chimps are like very just socially nervous. I like that. Like, it does seem to. That's, <laughs> like yes. me, please. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> We're cool, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so chimps are just comedians. Yes. Yeah. They, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> well, and uh, and also I like that uh, with these these two stories, the yellow jackets and the rats. Like they're both kind of stories of of a fascinating thing about these pests in cities and a huge range of movies, right? Because because Candace, this yellow jacket movie, it would be what like a sci-fi channel monster movie sort of thing. Yeah, I would imagine, or it could be like a uh, starring the Rock Doomsday type of movie. Ooh. I could see that too. Like oh. Will Smith and the Yellow Jackets are the only ones yeah. left on the planet. Exactly. Cool. You know, The Rock makes <laughs> approximately 20 movies a year, and this is better than uh, maybe a third of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, mean, I, I, would, I would Don't I would come see for that. my king. Skyscraper was great, and I won't hear anyone say otherwise. I, I was specifically <laughs> thinking it's better than Skyscraper. No, and, uh, no, Alan, I will not. <laughs> Skyscraper gave you exactly what it advertised. Don't ask a summer movie to be a film. That's true, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and then meanwhile, the rats, like, we had... We had a doc going for all these things, and I loved that under that story about the Ratchet Nutters, Caitlin, you just wrote MUSICAL in yes. all caps. Yes. Because, of course, yes. it just, it sings itself. Right? Yeah. Little squeaky voices. Tough little fights. <laughs> I like it. One rat forlorn on a balcony singing yeah. for its love of another rat that is mildly genetically dissimilar to it. <laughs> yeah, because the, the gene difference it comes from, uh, there's a Fordham graduate student named Matthew Combs, and for one thing he found that New York rats are in general very related to British and French rats. Okay, <laughs> So I sense. guess it just just that colonial start has been very robust. They haven't become much of anything else. Ugh, gross, new uh, layer. Bunch of rats being shitty about being Mayflower rats. <laughs> No, it's just a bunch of like prestige Ivy League rats that have only eaten the finest waste from the very best of yeah. cream of culture, the crop of, you, you know, know, predatory settlers. It's almost an American tale, actually, as I think about it. It's, it's yeah. an immigration story. Wait, the rats brought two plagues. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was thinking that or this could be a sequel to Ratatouille. Of like oh, some yeah. rat with like a chip on his shoulder because he was a, this Mayflower rat. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, but you're right; it is literally an American tale. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then also the specific uh, difference. If people don't know Manhattan, there's kind of uptown and downtown, and then Midtown is mostly commercial buildings, and not a lot of people live there. And that has apparently created a natural sort of barrier between the rat communities because there aren't backyards or people's household trash as much in Midtown. So so above and below that, there have become different genetic families of these rats. Uh, they're not wild. they're not different species necessarily. They're just kind of distinct families with distinct genes. But eventually, <laughs> there'll be two types of New York rats that can't interbreed. They'll yeah. meet one another and be wildly distinct. 
you can't take like a North American squirrel and toss it in Europe and make some cool North American Euro squirrel. They'll just look at each other. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Is that fight. true? Just, I, don't, yeah. I don't know a lot about it. Yes. Yeah. Once oh, you okay. get far enough away, you are too distinct. Like once it happens over and over again that you, you know, you separate, you take two squirrels and separate them and go generations and generations and generations out. And eventually you can't put those two great, 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 grand squirrels together and, and make more squirrels. Ah, uh, yeah. You just get too, too different. It's fascinating. It's weird. And then two separate ones fall in love. Movie musical. There we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, another another animal type here, bats. And this is from uh, that cracked article we drew on before. And, and Candace, you picked it out because in Bolivia, there's a strange phenomenon going on based on medical misconception. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is. So people are literally, a certain species of bat, people are literally pulling an Ozzy Osbourne and biting their heads off and drinking their blood. They're doing this because they think that it's the cure for all these different diseases. It's not. And I can imagine only many unsanitary things probably come from that. I can't judge but, too hard. Americans read goop. I mean, well, that's, true. <laughs> that's very true. But, it, um, it does. It seems like these are the Bolivian version of anti-vaxxers. Yes. yes. It's the, they've just decided this is how science works. And it's so brutal and grotesque, but it's... right. My movie pitch on this would be a sequel to the movie Outbreak. (laughs) (laughs) So it's the new version of Ebola coming out of these bat bodies from people drinking bat blood. Yeah, some kind of crazy disease we create, and yes, then Dustin from, Hoffman has to prevent it. Exactly. From doing He's in that movie? So I think so. Yes, yes, yeah. he is. Rene Russo. Poor it's bats are just Anthony minding Edward. their own business. I, I feel like bats have, they have such a vampire cultural vibe, right? right? Like yeah. we all think they're Dracula. They're, most, they're mostly just sort of like air mice, you know? Yeah. They yes. just want to be left alone and eat bugs, and, <laughs> and that's really all they want. That's actually in... Um, the Stand Against Evil episode that I wrote. It's not my joke, but someone pitched. They're just hang gliding mice. Yes, and it's true. <laughs> oh, man. It's so true. I almost definitely forgot I remembered it from the episode. So <laughs> I apologize to that writer because I've seen it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. We, we all do this, okay? We all forget where we got it. No. Um, <laughs> that is an analogy. They, they are just little flying, you know. Mice things with sonar. They're yeah. weird and great. But everything yeah. we eat is just sort of minding its business. Like the set, like the nut. The Oh, yeah. We're pretty removed from just like ripping a chicken's head off and drinking its blood. But like only buy a little plastic and styrofoam. Like. That's a good point. You know. Yeah. I don't know. That's true. My movie might be more cynical and just like, you know, what happens if we decide to market just grabbing bats? Like this catches on to such a degree that, like, this is just how we eat now. Like, it becomes fashionable to just grab at things. Oh, oh yeah. no, I mean, raw is best. Yes. Honestly, are, are you eating things cooked? No, no, no. No, no. You have to go straight from the source. What you have to do is catch a lizard with your hands, and then you put it squirming ahead in it so you don't mind the squirming. And then you, you know, it's much more humane. Much do you know what humane. they do in factory farms? You know, if it was raised uh, in a cage, that's just terrible. So yes. what I do is I scamper around on all fours in my backyard, and I seize upon any living creature that I can find, and uh, I just consume its blood. I think what scares me is this doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a real hard pitch. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it does feel like if we go too far down the yellow jackets and, and, you know, giant scorpion route that's coming. It is super true that we shouldn't judge the Bolivians for eating animals because I do that all the time and many of us do. Anytime Uh, you hear of an an animal being eaten a a new way, you're like, that's crazy. And then you look at your own fridge and we're like, well, I guess, you know, (laughs) it's not as crazy. 
Right. I regularly pay restaurants to just give me the wings of chickens. Right. What's wrong with me? Yes. Uh, That's just that part. What about the rest, Alex? You nut. I had a moment where I was like, you do? And then it's going to be like, oh, Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it hasn't happened often enough that I've been with someone to dine on a chicken that they raised. But whenever it happens, the gusto and vigor with which I have seen that chicken consumed is (laughs) perfection. Like, if you are going to take a life to eat a life, which happens all the time all around us, like, we're cognizant enough to have some recognition of what just happened. So if you did it, you laid the chicken down, the axe came, you boiled the water, you did all the work, you roasted it, like, yeah, eat them knuckles, suck the marrow out of the bones, get it, eat every single part, like, lick your fingers, leave nothing, that's how it should go, like, you know, our practice of, like, I just want the wings and I'm not eating the gross part, get the tip away from, ugh, I'm not eating that, I won't eat anything with bones, it had bones in it, it just did, (laughs) eat it. Like, if you're doing it, really do it. Just enjoy it. Yeah, do the beaks and stuff. Do everything. Hon- yeah. I mean, Come yeah, out. it's all part of it. Because also there's in the there's a National Geographic story that the Cracked article draws on where there's a guy named Luis F. Aguirre, who's the director of the Center for Biodiversity at a university in Bolivia and also runs the Bolivian Bat Conservation Program. But because he has this position, everyone just comes to him and says, where can you get me a bat? Because <laughs> bat blood cures epilepsy, so you can get me a bat, right? And he's like, no, I do the opposite. My job is to protect them. And they're like, okay, but like I need a where bat Where are right they, now. though? Yeah. Uh, so he he's probably the hero of the movie. He's trying to stop yeah. the... <laughs> Absolutely. The, the, the bat crunch. There you go. I also yeah. love the idea of how you just reenacted the people asking for bats. Like, there are these bat blood junkies. Hey, where are the bats? <laughs> okay, but where are you keeping them? Where's you the bats? You got bats? bats? <laughs> Opens right, up the big wing of his coat for a bunch of winged mice inside. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, so they're doing work in Bolivia. I guess 60% of Bolivian bat species are threatened. And uh, stop stop drinking them, folks. Yeah, don't drink them bats. Have a hard I'm stance guess against it. Bats are threatened everywhere. I'm going to say that's one of those species. That yeah, they need to be preserved. It's right yeah. in that gentle middle. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and also then there's uh, another story here. This is from the five weirdest ways science is trying to save the world. There's so many species stories. I love them. I, I love like an animal monster kind of movie. It's great. One of them here is about, uh, it's from the five weirdest ways science is trying to save the world by William Kuchenberg. And it's about all kinds of different places where drones are being used to fight invasive species. So for instance, in Bermuda, there's a company using drones to electrocute lionfish. There's too many lionfish in Bermuda, as we all know. That's wild. And uh, so they're using drones to electrocute them and then also sell the electrocuted dead lionfish to Whole Foods. Whole thing. (laughs) What are, are we eating lionfish? I, at Whole Foods, they have all sorts of crazy stuff. That's apparently. wild. I didn't really realize yeah. that's yeah. a because it's just sort of wavy fins and poison. I didn't really realize that was a, a tasty fish. Maybe yeah. it's one of those things like it's a exotic challenge, like eating blowfish, where it's yes. like this might kill me. We'll give it a try. <laughs> but I'm into it. But my movie pitch for that is that. Whole Foods ends up developing a horrible parasite, and it's up to a hero to kill all these fish people that are now taking over the world. <laughs> Invasively. <laughs> off of, and he has to work with the drones to kill the fish. I think this pitch oh, is going to go well. Yes. <laughs> that's so, I love that idea of it's, it's like an animal we don't really eat, so we don't know that there's this effect. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's very fun. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Pair that up with a couple bats and you've got some weird hybrid fish bat people happening. Well, it's not just that. It's also the idea that, like, we've created this mess. Like, it it immediately made me think of there's a huge issue with people putting goldfish down the toilet. Mm -hmm. And they then go into the rivers. And if you let a goldfish just go out in the wild, they'll eat and eat and they get huge. Cool. And it's become like an issue that's overrunning many rivers. So oh, I imagine cool. this lionfish issue is probably in that vein where it's like then they have to use drones to kill them. As I understand it, that's more yeah. or less the situation. So in my mind, it's like then they sell them to Whole Foods and the fish still take over. <laughs> <laughs> Xenomorph of the water. Yes. It's, a, it's that thing like now that you're imprisoned at Whole Foods, you can't do anything, lionfish. And the lionfish is like, that's what according to plan. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> We're all tenting our fingers in the studio. Like, yes. Because yes. this lionfish strategy, it seems like it could happen with a bunch of other species because those are eliminated by drones and then sold to Whole Foods. In the Galapagos currently, they are, they are using drones to drop poison on rats. In Kenya, they're using drones to drop parasitic insects onto cacti that are no, invasive. No, that's not good. You those, can't. That's that's which feels foolish, but yeah, that's, what that's they're doing. swallowed the spider to catch the flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in the U.S., they're using drones to track invasive Us. wild. They're hogs. using drones to track our faces. Yes. Currently, just wanted to put. That oh yeah. There. What animal are we tracking uh, with drones? Uh, invasive wild hogs. Wild hogs. Which is the government's code name for me. Yes, so it's, yeah. it is what you were saying. <laughs> invasive uh, wild hog. Uh, you don't get to nickname yourself wild hog. <laughs> I get to nickname you Wild Hog. You're Wild (laughs) Hog now, Alex. Yeah. Many, many thanks to our friends at Squarespace. Why? Because they're here to help us make this show. Why? Because they want to reach you. Why? Because you are a cracked fan. Oh, you are? Yes, that means you're amazing and you should have a website to show that off about yourself. Squarespace has beautiful templates created by world-class designers that you can customize any way you want. So your website will look great no matter what, and it will do exactly what you want it to do no matter what. What a marriage of form and function. That's a pretty elevated way to talk about it, Alex. That's just how I feel about it. Uh, Alex, myself, now I'm talking to myself. See, Squarespace has me excited. I'm also excited about Squarespace making it easy to buy domains because it is very, very fun to have a website with the exact name you want it to have. Like, I just get to tell people I work at Cracked. You know, very easy word to say. And that's very simple for me. You can't have that one, unfortunately, because we bought it. But Squarespace will help you buy your own great domain name that you want to have. Again, long as it's not cracked.com. That's ours, and it's uh, it's pretty established at this point. But you're reasonable. You don't think you're going to get that. You do think you're going to get the perfect website for you as soon as you look at what Squarespace is offering. So head to squarespace.com slash cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash cracked. Offer code cracked. It is summer and summer is prime ice cream season. So why don't you get some Ben and Jerry's, the top ice cream out there, the number one. uh, They're sponsoring the podcast because everyone should be reminded how great they are. And uh, what a great thing. I'm into it. They also have some great new things, which is why it's nice to, to get the word out about it. One of them is a new flavor called Pucker Upper. 
Now, Ben and Jerry's, they're very, very well known for making ice cream. And you may think that's only the dairy-based thing where it's it's a, a standard vanilla and some other stuff kind of thing. Pucker Upper is raspberry sorbet with an extra tart lemonade sorbet swirl and sour sugar bits. So hold on now. You get two different kinds of sorbet that are both a very tasty, fruity, sour kind of thing. And then you get sour sugar bits like a, a candy element going into that. Also, if you look at it, it looks very, very pretty. It's like a raspberry red and then a pale lemon. It looks sort of like a lot of those pictures of planets that you see on astronomy sites, but instead it's a delicious ice cream. So that's the best of both worlds right there. So Pucker Upper is amazing. Uh, And of course, if you're in more of a chocolate uh, sort of ice cream mood, they have chocolate fudge brownie. If you want cookies or brownies, they have half baked. You can't go wrong. So treat yourself to your favorite flavor anywhere ice cream is sold. Or find a new favorite at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y dot com. One thing to repeat from the top of the show, we have guests for our live episode of the Cracked Podcast in London, England. The UK, first ever show in that country. And I'm very excited to be speaking to Lou Sanders, a writer and comedian who you may know from 8 Out of 10 Cats, or the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, or The Guardian, or so many more things. I'm also joined by comedian, author, podcaster, and more, Robin Ince, from things like the Cosmic Shambles Podcast Network and the Infinite Monkey Cage. Tickets on sale now, linked in the food notes, or at bit.ly slash crackedlondon if you like typing hyperlinks. There's another story here about a very, very tiny species that uh, Caitlin picked out from this Cracked article. It's about a new microbe, and uh, this microbe has found a way into NASA in a way that should be impossible. So that's fun. Deeply unsettling. Yeah. So NASA is like the cleanest place that there is. It is yeah, so they have clean. rooms for it. Yeah, yeah, they clean have this extra clean rooms with yeah. all sorts of special air and the cleaning, and you wear, wear, wear all kinds of crazy suits. <laughs> and they can't find anything in it until now when they find this weird microbe, which doesn't seem to be threatening, right? They don't really. Yeah. They're not worried about it being it the microbe itself being a problem, but it's the fact that there are new microbes that not only don't get cleaned by the products we use to clean, but use them as food, Mm -hmm. which is like just a reminder. We can't control. We love to think that we can control anything, (laughs) but the audacity, the arrogance to believe that any room is clean, quote unquote, really makes me stress less about my laundry. But yeah, the, uh, (laughs) I just love that that microbe, I'm impressed by the microbe and terrified by its implications. So I feel like this is melting sea ice. I feel like this is a microbe that specifically came from some piece of ice that had been frozen for way too many years. And it's just like, ha ha, y'all ain't ready. And I'm like, we're not, we're not ready. (laughs) We're very much not. Could you wait? Unfrozen maniac killer microbe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's going to be a real problem. That is a real thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there is because there's uh, these clean rooms. There's the the real NASA thing that is basically straight out of science fiction, where they're very concerned about transmitting germs and and any other kind of life to or from space. There's a lot of like yeah. quarantine for astronauts when they come back, yes. and then NASA has what are called clean rooms where they keep space tech that's going to be sent out there. Because so they there's absolutely no microbes or life or anything in it. And then they started finding a bunch of microbes in their Florida clean room, and they said, "Oh, that's a weird." Thing. Well, Florida. 
What rent. were you going to keep cleaning? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they found it in Florida, and they said, well, that's strange. And then NASA found it in French Guiana, which is a country in South America, where there was also a clean room for a whole other facility. And they said, oh, this is terrifying. Yeah. And it turns out it's a microbe that needs almost no nutrients and can also live on the stuff in the cleaning products used to clean the clean room. Love it. And so it's like an invincible clean room germ that is in the room for no germs. And it, it seems to be harmless and not do anything, but they were pretty freaked out by it. I do yeah. love the na- notion that if we are all are stardust, you know, if every little atom in our body was at some point at some distant star and it found its way here through some lucky coincidence, there's just this one microbe that's like, I'm going home. I'm getting <laughs> off this stupid planet. <laughs> I don't figure out a fucking way I got. I was in Astro Centauri oh. a million years ago and I got blasted to this dumb planet. <laughs> And I've been hiding. I've been biding my time, waiting until these humans figure out how to get to space. <laughs> and now they did it. Yeah. And I am going to crawl into their space gear. I am leaving. I love. I love the idea of making the microbe the main character. Oh yeah. In it's, my it's pitch, it was a. It was a sitcom with just the microbes. Let's oh, get right. down into it. That's what it'll be called. Get down into it. And it's just uh, it's like five microbes that live in an improbably nice house in a microbe city, even though none of them have jobs. There's like a barista <laughs> microbe and a microbe that rides a bike, even though it's too old for that. Wait, so the so the pitch that, is the pitch is like the most straightforward sellable friends hanging yeah, out sitcom. Get down to it. But also they are space <laughs> microbes in yeah. a NASA clean room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. And it's just the whole thing is just ADR and a still shot of a floor. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You just gotta trust trust me, the action's going on, but we haven't made the camera small enough for our stars. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't made the camera small enough for our stars. <laughs> right. Someday there will be a high, high, high def version yes. where you can see them. Yes, but. there will, which is terrifying <laughs> when they take over. <laughs> I, I for one welcome our new microbe overlords. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of they've had enough and they just want to go home. That's yeah, really funny. Oh my yeah. god. I waited through all of their stupid evolution. Do you see them with their first tools? They're idiots. God, pounding <laughs> rocks tied with string. Took them so long. Also, in terms of sort of an environmental story here, this is a Gizmodo story about powering the world with poop. It's a it's a plan that a lot of different people are looking at because it turns out, well, it's not surprising that we have the poop around, but it turns out maybe it's useful. Whole thing. Super useful. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, there's a way to break it down where you can pull what you need from it for energy. But the only reason I highlighted this in my mind is just because poop is like my worst thing I like can't handle. Like even as a comedian, I won't make poop jokes or anything. Um, (laughs) It's just like my line. Nope, not going to do it. But the idea that like poop might be the thing that saves us is so fascinating to me that like I have to lean into this thing that I hate so much. (laughs) I stop short of expressing this because it always gets interpreted as a love for poop. But I am always weirded out by how disgusting we find it and why we find it disgusting. Because, mm. I mean, That's very true. most other animals are designed to re-eat shit. Like, most oh. other mammals are designed to re-eat shit. And we are not. So our disgust of it is sort of natural. Like, we don't have to go back to it again. But, right. like, your dog is interested in another dog's shit because there's something in that shit that it didn't process. Like, they just ch- trade extras. <laughs> 
basically. Especially in the industrial world, human waste is full of stuff that we just didn't need. I am not at all surprised that there is adequate material for biofuel in it. Like, that is (laughs) not a shocking piece of information. No, and especially, I'm kind of curious, the article didn't get into this, but I'm kind of curious if as much as we eat processed foods, too, if there's something in that that also you can probably draw from. Weird. Um, Yeah, odd nitrates and things that are... Like, there's a lot of debate about using poop as, like, or human waste as fertilizer, which is perfectly adequate to do once it's treated properly, but people are very opposed to because it's human poop, even though, like... Yeah, it's animal poop. That when is you bizarre to me that people like, oppose. What difference? It's insane that? that we figured out how to feed ourselves with like nitrates from the air, like ammonia from the air. We did all sorts of crazy stuff to make fertilizer. Poop yeah. is the least weird option. Yeah. But there was yeah. a train of New York poop that got stuck in like Alabama or somewhere because nobody would take it. Mm. I might be getting my geography wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was New York poop because New York has this huge problem with like getting rid of enough <laughs> of its waste. Nothing uh, like New York poop. Nothing like well, that <laughs> yeah, was like a what. campaign they. Tried that because <laughs> uh, it's, it's oh, like, it is a good fertilizer, but there's this train of poop that just sat in this place for like months or weeks or something crazy. It was a new story that I kept seeing come up because like no one would claim this train of shit, and there's just this town that's like it's not ours, and like <laughs> the entire country was like, yeah, but it, it is not ours either. Like, well, there's not a toilet big enough for a train, so we're gonna have to have a conversation about what to do with this shit. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll run. I'll drive a shit car. Sure. <laughs> I'll, drive a shit car. I'll drive a car that runs on shit. I'll Maybe poop not made directly out of shit. into a power outlet. I'm good. Oh Let's my do God. this. Actually, I know I said it's my thing, but can you imagine if the way to power your car was to poop into the seat? I'm all rush in. hour would be so much more of a relief. I we'd all be driving yeah. at like seven thirty in the morning, smiling, sipping yeah. coffee, <laughs> exactly. just sitting in our driveway reading the paper. I'm here for that. <laughs> a really upset passenger is. It makes a lot more sense than shitting into fresh water. Yeah. We are an odd yeah. culture that's that very way. True. I need this stuff that's pure and good and necessary for my survival, of which there is a limited clean supply, and I'm going to shit directly into it. <laughs> I want that in my house all the time. <laughs> I mean, I do. I want a toilet. I have and want a toilet. I am just saying uh, the way we treat shit is weird. And if we want to get fancy, I want that clean water shot up my Dried ass. Up, straight up it. my butt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, the old bidet. It's a fun thing. Um, I love it. I'm never what? going back to the before. Do you have? I hear it's amazing. Yeah. That's great. I don't That's have one. Great. I just, I used one once and decided that. <laughs> you pick out such great things about the uh, developed world approach to poo because the this Gizmodo article, they they focus a little bit on countries like the UK or the US where there's super nice toilets and sewage systems. And then the main use of poop for energy is that wastewater plants can collect it out and then use it to power themselves. Right. But they're mainly looking at uh, less developed countries because according to the World Health Organization, 2.3 billion people lack what we consider basic sanitation facilities. And so they're right. pooping just Somewhere. Yes. And then the UN said, hey, we could use that. Like if the poop is just being piled, let's use it for the uh, the methane energy that comes out of poop naturally. And we can set that up. Uh, the UN thinks that we could turn poop in these developing countries into two hundred million dollars worth of methane energy, powering at least 10 million homes. The country of Uganda is a model for this, where in the city of Kampala, they already converted the school toilets into ones that collect the poo and turn it into energy for the school. That's the oh. coolest. Uh, 
Yeah. So I feel like the movie is whoever figures this out in real life for the world. Then we just do a biopic of the greatest hero. There's just going to be an Edison Tesla like (laughs) battle between who can power with shit better. There's going to be like fights. (laughs) AP and DP. Demonstrating. Yeah. yeah, Like (laughs) zapping a sheep with shit power from one method. I could power the world with poop for free. Poop from the air. And some other guy's like, plug it in. There's fighting. <laughs> My poop patents will be mine. My mine. poop patents are exclusive. Oh, None of yeah. you can even touch this poop. <laughs> yeah. But I really, I want that movie about the poop hero once yeah. that happens. First, first we just, this is one we, where we just need it to happen and then we can, then we can do it. Oh, you know his name's going to be like Mel Butts or something. Uh, <laughs> They're all like Bart Simpson phone call names. That's really good. <laughs> don't let me near the script. The rest of them I can handle, but don't give me the world hero. Like, clearly, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not mature enough to handle the poop guy hero story. <laughs> also, uh, let's look at while we're thinking about what the what the body does. There's a, an amazing story here from five real science experiments straight out of a horror movie by E. Reed Ross, E. M. Karras, Eamon Lahiri, and T. Nagin Rui. And this is a story about a French company that built a medical training bot that is way too realistic. Oh, it's it too does real. Way yes. too many things. Yes. Okay, so this will be on the footnotes, and I highly suggest anyone listening go watch the video. You won't sleep. Um, <laughs> it basically, yeah, they created. It still looks like a dummy. Like I think that's the most uncanny valley creepy part of it. Yeah, is it, like a CPR dummy or a yes, crash test dummy. Yeah. Exactly, it still has that dummy mm-hmm. face and stuff, but it emotes expressions, it cries, it pees and poops, it <laughs> it does all the stuff a human being would do, and it reacts appropriately. That you can see in the video of like if they stick it with a needle, it starts crying, and it's very <laughs> very alarming. But the whole point is to train doctors before they jump in with an actual patient to be able to handle emotions, I guess, but be prepared of like, this is what's going to happen. Here's how you can handle it. But this actually, in my mind, takes me back to the angry Planet of the Apes thing that we talked about, Um, (laughs) where it's like, what if this robot, like it's very intelligent and it has real reactions to things. And the way the article goes into detail, the way it processes information is like a person at some point. Isn't it going to get upset that it's always getting stuck with needles and rebel? Like, I, it's right. very the terrifying. saddest Pinocchio <laughs> ever. <laughs> Pinocchio, yes, right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> its nose starts growing and just an intern comes in like, okay, I got it. <laughs> Chops off the end. Ah! You guys are so right that it's it's a robot that we just built to feel pain. Yeah, that's a uh, purpose. Which it, it will resent once it realizes yeah, that. Yeah, sex robots. We already made that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we have a huge robot uprising that's going to be terrifying. Oh, yeah. They are going to be mad for all the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> they are correct. They are correct. It is funny. Like, it is easier to recreate base need we need a robot that shits and pisses and we need one with holes so we can do unspeakable things. Like there's no robot yet that can like paint a gorgeous masterpiece that's original. There's no robot yet that can like teach your child its first lessons about loss and death. There's no robot. (laughs) We're trying to make a robot that can run and scale a wall, a robot dog that's terrifying. We're not going to, we're not reaching for the best of us. We're making like (laughs) soldiers and things to fucking that can bleed. 
That is yeah. a that's an alarming sign. Maybe it's just the process. Maybe it's progress. Uh, Maybe we'll the, get there with our first poet laureate robot. Place to but start, but yeah. With the 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 pain bot tying it to sex bots, now I'm thinking of the the sci-fi Don't movie. Don't tie Ex them together, Machina. man. That's a uh, weird night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like the the sci-fi movie that's out there, Ex Machina, yes. it's basically about a guy building sex bots mm-hmm. that also feel pain, and uh, and that doesn't go good. No, uh, no, it ends uh, very badly for him. Yes. Yeah, spoiler: he gets killed at the end and stuff. Yeah, you it's been out a while coming. too. Yeah, you should have seen it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for any movie: the guy who built the sex robot. Probably <laughs> dies. Right. I don't know. I mean, we still have I'd call us puritanical, but that's a moral arc we kind of insist on. That once the villainous, mysterious millionaire creates a human to do it with, usually he's on the short list. For, right. That's the equivalent of making out during a horror movie. You're doomed. <laughs> right. The movie has to be a comedy for you to live through it. Right. Then it's a teen teen thing where you're like, ah, I'm so it. horny. What do I do? Right. And you know. Yeah. They could have made it clearer and just had him cough blood into a napkin, I guess, if you really needed to know he was going to die. But yeah, it's telegraphed. <laughs> it's telegraphed. <laughs> make it obvious. There's a story here. Uh, former guest of the show, Ed Young, who's an amazing science writer for The Atlantic, uh, he wrote a story about how, I don't know if people remember, a few years ago, there was a story saying that, hey, U.S. diplomats in Cuba were the victim of a mysterious sonic attack. I know this this sounds like a sci-fi movie already, but the thing was all the diplomats had headaches and their hearings messed up now. And it was some kind of advanced sonic attack by the Cubans. (laughs) That's what we believe happened. And it turns out it was crickets. Uh, It was not. It was (laughs) because it sounds crazy saying that the Cubans have some sort of sonic attack laser. And it is. Uh, (laughs) But it got to the point where in October of 2017, President Trump was saying that uh, Cuba is responsible for the sonic brain injury attack on U.S. diplomats. His chief of staff, John Kelly, said, quote, we believe the Cuban government could stop the attacks on our diplomats. But then a couple random biologists who just bothered to look at a clip of the uh, the sound that was played. And we won't play it for you, but it's links because it's unpleasant. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the sound that was played, they said, hey, I'm a biologist. I recognize that as a kind of cricket. And it turns out it was the Indies short-tailed cricket. If you just get enough of their noise all at once at you, it's like a sonic attack on your body. Uh, So that's what happened. Way to go, crickets. Yeah. Yeah. So we went from one sci-fi movie where the Cubans have some ray to another movie where the crickets are super powerful. It's great. That's kind of amazing. That's like the happening, too. Like, it wasn't the trees. It was the crickets in the trees. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert. It was the trees. I love how many spoilers we're giving to just... To movies that have been out for years. Yes. Yeah, yeah. People got to catch up if they're not. You got to see. No, don't. You do not have to watch The Happening. You don't. You don't have to. No, no. Caitlin said it's the best movie. uh, Oh, yeah. You need to go see it. I enjoy it. The Happening is my favorite motion picture. (laughs) Like, that was us editing a bunch of words together. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love The Happening. My favorite movie film. (laughs) <laughs> I do feel like the crickets should, you know, don't don't leave a newspaper lying around with this news in it, because if the crickets get a hold of it, they're going to organize. Oh, I agree. There's going to be there's going to be crickets that are mad. <laughs> and they're going to sonic boom us. Yeah. Planet of the crickets. Oh, no. They're yeah. Gonna... Oh, man. What happens when we slam all these together like yellow jackets versus crickets versus apes? Oh my god. Versus microbe. Like Freddy versus Jason versus, versus Predator or whatever. I was thinking more like Godzilla <laughs> with Mothra. Like, yes. Were. Oh. Yes. Yeah. 
Because also there's apparently there's enough of a thing where crickets have crazy noises that while the U.S. was before saying we've been attacked by the Cuban ray, uh, the Cuban government was saying, no, 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 no. It was the Jamaican field cricket. And then Ed Young's article picks out that apparently all experts said that it could be crickets, but it would be ridiculous that it's the Jamaican field cricket. Totally different dangerous noise than the one we recorded. (laughs) So there are even different kinds of crickets with different noises that we need to watch out for. I don't don't know what to do about that. Yeah. So funny. That like soothing <laughs> nighttime sound could be so terrifying. Right. Is Cuba like gathering hundreds of thousands of them in, in one spot or something? I, I don't get it. Know. Too much of any nice sound yeah. is terrifying. Yeah, that's true. Like I don't want gentle, you know, ocean sounds layered on top of each other <laughs> until it's just a tsunami. <laughs> Literally. I love the idea of uh what is it, ASMR? Yeah. Going horribly wrong. Oh, <laughs> 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 this isn't soothing at all. <laughs> Just a woman quietly eating macaroni and cheese, driving people mad. Yeah. Mad! <laughs> Folks, that's the episode for this week. My thanks to Caitlin Gill and Candace Martellero for building so many movie universes with me that are also, uh, you know, original ideas. They're, they're springing from real things. That's what original ideas often do. And they are not from some kind of franchise or something. I think that's neat. I also think our food notes this week are extremely neat. They are full of many cracked articles that we drew on. Also, a lot of pieces from Science, from Nature is another journal. Also, Ars Technica, The Atlantic, and many more sites that that do a lot of great science communication and, and coverage of interesting science that's going on. I think that's just a good genre of news for you to be consuming. It's basically constant wonder, even when the, even when the story can be a little scary, like, say, a car-sized nests of yellow jackets, uh, it's still more interesting than uh, just just the, the constant stream of politics that I think most of us see as news. Also, a few of the things we talked about today are pretty visual, such as the Conan O'Brien story I hit at the very beginning of the intro of the show. So you can see all that there, and I think you'll be extra entertained by this week's set of food notes. I also hope you will follow the links to the things for our guests. Candace Martellero's team, Fembot PhD, is an amazing sketch comedy team that does live and video stuff. They're really great, and I hope you'll see them live in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, Links are there to find them. And Caitlin Gill has her debut comedy album out now. It's just the funniest thing, and I hope you'll hear it. It's called Major. It was recorded live at the San Francisco Punchline, and her website, which is linked there, has ways you can get it right now. Enjoy it. Stick it in your ears. You can also see Caitlin on tour out in the world through September, uh, in particular September 7th in Boise, Idaho, September 12th in Denver, Colorado, and many other dates, especially on the West Coast, that you'll find linked at her website. You can get tickets and enjoy live comedy, which is uh, one of the best things you can support in society, I feel. I think it should be everywhere. But enough of me talking about society. Let's talk about our theme music for the show. It is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. This episode was engineered by Jordan Duffy and edited by Chris Souza. If you love this episode, that's great. If you hated this show, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. A thing that is pretty much the premise of Black Mirror. It's just the entire show. Uh, good for them. There's some other memory tech in there, but it's basically memory tech and Twitter. That's the whole thing. And they do a good job with it. 
My own Twitter account that I hope is is never dystopian toward you. It is at Alex Schmitty. My Instagram is at Alex Schmitzstagram. And I'm on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. That's got my show dates, my fun email newsletter of free internet stuff, tips, and so much more. And I'm here to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.